Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman. You know the Lutheran who believes but has questions. Well, in short, the program is designed for someone just like me because there's a lot I do not understand. It doesn't necessarily be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. Rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, I find that a casual front porch style talk with the pastors is often the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Mark Preuss. He's the pastor of St. Andrew's Lutheran Church in Laramie, Wyoming. I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org. Or you can call into the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that number is 821-0850. Or you can call in toll-free anywhere in the lower 48 at 1-800-730-2727. Mark, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's good to be back, Jeff. Yeah, good to have you on the front porch. <clears throat> you know, I wanted to... Um, Talk about uh, something, a magazine article I read. In fact, I sent a copy of it to you. Uh, I had often thought that the United States is moving more and more in a secular direction. The idea being that religion doesn't enter into it, either pro or con. It's just a, a separate thing. It's based upon whatever we are. Um, and uh, religion really doesn't play a role in it. And, of course, looking at that, I've, I've sometimes thought, gee, it seems to me like we're under attack more and more. But this article got me to thinking. It's It suggested that we're not necessarily going into a secular society here in the United States. We're going into a pagan one. And he brought up, the author brought up some very interesting points. You know, what what is uh, what does pagan mean? What does secular mean? And um, he... he he uses the idea that pagan really describes pre-Christian religions, everything from earth worship to human sacrifice, the whole panoply of, of those things that were there before the birth of Christ. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I think the notion that there uh, can be a government or a society or a culture without a religion is uh, a bit naive. Uh, there's always religion uh, and we would define that as uh, people are fearing, loving, and trusting in something. Um, whatever people fear, love, and trust in the most is their God. And so there, there, there are going to be spiritual elements to that. And uh, so as far as even the word secular, uh, secular just means worldly in Latin. And, um, and I think that if we... Uh, if we if we look at uh world has been throughout the history of mankind, then you will see that everybody and every government is religious. The question is just what kind. And as far as the pagans, um, pagan, uh, you know, like worshiping many gods or other things like that, um, they, they are generally very tolerant of other religions except for Christianity, um, and they practice infanticide, just like we practice abortion. Um, and they, they join themselves to the state to get, uh, uh, to get um, legitimacy 
and authority, and they're always intertwined. And so that's why you have today, um, I mean, I've heard politicians say that abortion is a sacred right. I mean, can you think of a <laughs> sacred right? It's religious language, you know what I mean? Yeah, R-I-T-E so, or R-I-G-H-T, yeah. Uh, yeah, R-I-G-H-T, but yeah. <laughs> Well, you know the uh, the uh, uh, Satan, the uh, Temple of Satan, Satanist Temple has uh, has challenged abortion laws here in Missouri and other places, claiming that abortion is a right, R I T E, a religious right, according I'm to sorry. them. And you know, you look back in history, uh, you know, we could go back to the Aztec Empire, we could go back to what was going on in some, like the Assyrian Empire and all those other ones where they practiced human sacrifice. This is how we appease the gods. We we sacrifice this. And isn't that mm-hmm. really, when you think about it, what abortion is? It's human sacrifice. Yeah, and, and you look at it, too, like, and people don't think of it that way, but you're, you're giving up, you're killing the child so that you might have something more. Um, and uh, so that you might have something, um, some good thing. And... Um, uh, just one second. I'm sorry. I uh, am a little bit distracted. So okay. Okay. There the, we uh, go. The um, yeah, and, and that's that's like in the old days. If you were if you were to uh, you know, make your child pass through the fire, like in the days of worshiping Moloch, um, it was for the sake of the harvest. It was for the sake of um, of of uh, financial security. Right. And and the, the your standard of living. And that's how it is today, too. And now you even have um, a kind of a weird belief in the weather gods, just like they did then, that that uh, the weather gods need to be appeased. Uh, the ones who send the rain and the you know thunder and lightning. And so you need to sacrifice your children. And that's what people are saying with uh, population control. And there are too many people and. I mean, there. You've heard politicians say that it's like immoral to bring children into this world. Well, I've know? heard that so many so, times. Yeah. So it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's neo paganism. Evolution is also a, a neo pagan theory. You have uh, um, you have everything arising out of chaos. You have a special relationship between the heavens and just this one planet Earth, and uh, and then you have. Uh, man arising as kind of an afterthought, um, and, and the gods not really caring uh, about us, you know. So it's 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 an Epicurean pagan theory. So that's I mean yeah I mean all the we've known this for a long time, and I guess the question is is how do we actually face it and how do we how do we deal with it? So that is a point. Uh... And, and you, you look at the reasons why they're doing these things, as you pointed out, for example, uh, with, with child sacrifice, it's to somehow improve their lives. And this is what's happening with the pro-abortion movement, is that women believe that if they kill their children, their lives will be improved. Right. <laughs> if that's not yeah, human sacrifice, I, just... I don't know what is. Right. And then you you have, like, experts who act as kind of like the priests who um who who tell them that this is good and right you know i mean they have like religious leaders almost telling them um that this is what's good for you you know and uh that yeah it's it's crazy yeah and then they claim well this is the science and then when the science turns against them (laughs) 
as it does in the abortion case. <laughs> you know, independent yeah. DNA, DNA from the moment of conception. We know that when pain is, is perceived, we know that this is a separate individual human being in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> and the science, it yeah. I mean, it's, certainly they yeah, go, well, no, just, we go on faith that that's not really a child. Well, yeah, then they'll say, well, it's not a person, you know, yeah. and uh, they just they just redefine the terms as they always do. I mean, this is the same thing with uh, evolution. They conflate uh, adaptation with uh, mutation and uh, and then call us idiots for denying evolution when or, or adaptation when we don't um, when we don't uh, when we don't acknowledge that we can think and breathe and live and have have our being because of genetic mutation. You know, all of a sudden we're anti-science because of that. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy. It is. And then, so. and then, as you pointed out, uh, for example, the, the concept of climate or what have you, uh, we are running into a situation now where there's almost a worship of Earth or, or a worship of, of nature. I think they call it Gaia worship, uh, where they are regarding, mm -hmm. many of these people now are regarding nature as somehow being a divine thing in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, that's paganism. Gaia is a goddess. You know, the earth is a goddess. And so you, uh, the, uh, um, and so that it's, that's like, I mean, Earth Day is basically just neo-paganism. Yeah. So, and then I mean, you even have, I think you even have religious Christian, so-called Christian leaders calling the earth our mother and other things like that. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's, they're, they're, they, they really do accord uh, accord this uh, you know this material existence as uh, with with spiritual power and with authority over us, but really it's just a ploy to um, so that they can control us. You know, I mean, you look at I mean, I, you can people can have their opinions on anthropogenic global warming. You know, I don't think it's a maybe 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 not. You know, people say whatever they want to, but mm -hmm. you can't deny the fact that they're using it to control people. That they're requiring huge sacrifices uh, of of money, of jobs, um, and just this past week with the Keystone Pipeline, you know, mm -hmm. um, this is for the good of you know appeasing the weather gods, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going on. So we have to, you know, you know, put all these people out of work for the weather gods. So. Well, you know, climate always changes i mean we, we know this from historical fact that the, the the climate was completely different in roman times than it is now we had the uh the, the cold the mini ice age i think in the 1200s and the 1300s that even lasted up through i think the 1700s yeah it changes oh yeah <laughs> and, yeah and what we do or don't do has absolutely nothing to do with it yeah i mean i think that uh the academy and the universities have become um, have become like the new temples in a certain sense, because the priests in, in the ancient days they were the ones who studied things and uh, who uh, you know who had the knowledge, the science, and other things like that. And uh, and nowadays they're the ones who tell us what's morally right, you know. And I, I think there are a lot of good scientists who simply you know follow the scientific method and give us good information, but, um, but people want to exploit and use, um, use scientists for their own political machinations and their own spiritual ends. So, and, and what they forget 
is that, as you, you, and you alluded to it, is that science is really simply a method of study. As I recall, going yeah. going back to my high school days, it was like uh, it was observ- uh, observation, hypothesis, experimentation, followed by uh, data, followed by possibly by theory, if it's something that is repeatable. But it's simply a process. It is not in and of itself an independent thing. And science always changes. What we think is true now is not necessarily true in the future. Once upon a time, we thought that uh, couldn't break the uh, could not break the sound barrier. That was established fact yeah. until it was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. we're seeing this again and again and again. I mean, uh, you know, once upon a time, you know, well, we know that disease is really caused by evil spirits or by humors in the air, and that that was the settled science until, of course, guy by the name of Louis Pasteur comes along and. <laughs> It's just hey, guess what? There's germs. Yeah, well, I and that's the material cause of it. I still think that the devil's behind disease, but you have, uh, I mean, it's the one is an exclusive of the other. So, um, but I, but yeah, obviously science changes, and um, that is what we know changes. People used to think that uh, the um, that uh, the universe was eternal, you know, and now we know that it actually has a limit. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they're just all sorts of man's, man's knowledge is limited, and there are always people who are pushing at the limit of that and uh, claiming things that they don't actually know. And, I mean, if you look at I mean, even something like face masks, where there is a lot of scientific data for them not generally being useful for the public. I mean, maybe in certain circumstances. But as soon as it became an agenda... Um, and even as late as May in the New England Journal of Medicine, they didn't recommend them for the, you know, after they had studied COVID a bit, they didn't recommend them for general use in the population. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, as soon as it became a political issue, then they just said, you're anti-science. If you said, wait, are, should we really be doing this? Is this healthy? Do we know? And now you're just a kind of, you know, you're, you're crazy and, um, anti-science and it's just amazing how quickly they just claim science as their authority you know and that's why i often call these people the priests of science because um they claim that they're being objective but really what they're doing is it's you know you have to take them on faith you know and uh it's like the liberals always saying that that they're the most educated people and conservatives aren't very educated and uh, it's like, well, what are you educated with? I mean, go to any <laughs> university, you know, and look at the humanities and see what they're teaching you. So now we have to pretend that boys are girls and girls are boys. You know, I mean, I guess that's, I mean. Now, that's another thing. That's another thing to look at. I mean, the, the science is clear. There's only mm-hmm. two sexes. The science yeah, is yeah. clear. And suddenly mm-hmm. now we're, we're supposed to accept that. That well, there, there, there's like for the one definition is well, uh, not necessarily women, but people who menstruate, and even men can menstruate, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Say like, what? What are those who call? Uh, what are those who call good evil and evil good and bitter sweet and sweet bitter? They're just. I mean, in other words, we get to define our own reality, and that's kind of part of you know that's especially part of the neo-pagan way. This goes back to Nietzsche, who was obsessed with the old mythology of the Germans, and he had this notion of your own will to power, 
that there was no real objective moral reality, but that you had to define it for yourself. And so, um, I mean, I remember being in a room in grad school where uh, there was a visiting professor who was talking about the difference between gender and sex. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, so gender isn't as different than sex. Cool. All right. And I said, but, you know, the gender corresponds to the sex in some sense because, you know, like, for example, men are stronger than women generally. Mm-hmm. And everybody, like, you could, you could hear a pin drop. Nobody, everybody was embarrassed and looked down. Like, I couldn't say something as obvious as that because the facts and the reality aren't accepted. <laughs> like, it's heresy. <laughs> it's just strange, you know? Well, or seeing it right uh, now, I mean, the, the, the nominee for the, uh, to be Secretary of Education has uh, come out strong in favor of transgender men competing in in women's sports. And even the ACLU, ACLU, why on earth are they jumping in on this? Are saying that, well, there's really no difference between men between uh, men competing against women. And of course, they're ignoring such things as body mass, muscular, musculature, uh, lung capacity, size. I mean, the whole thing. And this has not changed simply because a person says, hey, I'm a woman. And even if they undergo uh, uh, hormone treatments, that doesn't change. Oh, it's disgusting what they do to them. I, I don't even, it's like, it reminds me of that Monty Python skit where this guy's like, they say to, why are you always going off about women's stand? And they say, I want to be one. Like, you want to be a woman? He said, yes. From now on, I want you to call me Loretta. He's I like, remember that to... skit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, why do you want to be a woman? Why do you want to be a woman? He said, I want to have babies. He's like, you can't have babies. You haven't got a womb. And he says, stop oppressing me. <laughs> like, this, yeah. this, that used to be comedy. I mean, if, if they were to do a skit like that, then they'd be totally blacklisted and canceled, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, well Graham yeah. Chapman himself had said, uh, uh, you know, he... He was one of the one of the founding members of the Monty Python. He said, "No, we couldn't do yeah. that today." <laughs> or, yeah. or Mel yeah. Brooks, for well, example. I mean, look at some of the comedy this guy has done. That I know. Oh, I mean, I yeah, I, yeah you. Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, he 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 did Blazing Saddles. I mean, oh gosh, sick. I don't. <laughs> they could not do that today. So, period. And he's he's even said yeah. that that they could not have made that movie today. And I still say yeah. it's one of the funniest films I have ever seen. <laughs> I know, I know, it's hilarious. But people don't even get it. Like they have no sense of humor. They're making fun of racism. It's hilarious. Of course, you know. I mean, it's just. But 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 you can't. You can't even make fun of. Yeah. Well. Anyway. But getting back to this, this you know, neo paganism. They're always going to claim, like the the pagan Romans, for example. They just said, "Hey, this works. This is pagans." And doing these sacrifices seeing where the birds are in the sky, looking at the entrails of the animals, this works. And they taught this, you know, and the people believed it. They believed it, even though it was totally foolish, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and and this is what, like, you see in the Old Testament, the Israelites are always, and the prophets are always mocking their gods. Like, they have eyes, but they can't see, you know? And, uh, and, 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 And yet they had the power. The pagans had the power. And often people from Israel, from the church, would go and start worshiping these gods, even though it was clear, patently obvious, that these were false gods, and and that their their so-called science, which just means knowledge, was wrong. And yet, you know, and why did they? Because they wanted popularity, they wanted to fulfill their passions, 
They wanted to be free in the way that these gods said they could be. And that's how it is today. You know, they go, people go along with the crowd. They allow you to do what your flesh wants to do, despite reason to the contrary. And they promise you wealth. They promise you security. And they're just not real gods, you know. So it's, and it's yeah, that's where we are. I, I know. I, it's, it's frustrating because it is so obviously false, and, and you see mm-hmm. these people following it. I mean, the, the pagans believed, and our modern pagans believe as well, I believe, I think, that uh, that their actions can change the world, you know, whether it's uh, this uh, uh, the climate change type thing, whether it's the abortion type thing. They believe that that is changing mm-hmm. the environment, that is changing the world around them. Where we Christians know that we don't have that kind of power. Yeah. Yeah. It's God's yeah, well, in charge, not yeah. us. Well, and that's the thing about the pagans. This is what inter- what's interesting about paganism and neo-paganism. Whatever power they believe in or fear, it isn't the, it isn't almighty. Like we say, I believe in God the Father. Not I say this to my kids. Do you believe in God the Father, some mighty? And they're like, no. Do you believe in God the Father, mostly mighty? And they say, no. I say, who do you believe in? God the Father Almighty, right? Yeah. Well, they, none, none of their gods are almighty. You know, they, they would have, like, um, Jupiter best and greatest. Like, he's the best and the greatest, but he's not omnipotent. I mean, you look at the stories of Jupiter, and you'll see that he's not all-powerful. Oh, Even yeah. he's subject to the, to the fates, you know? So they have this strange, you know, and this is how it is today, too. They really don't, they believe that they can... Um, they can reach heaven by their works. You know, it's like Tower of Babel stuff. Like Hercules can become a god. And this is Nietzsche. You have your will. If you just believe enough, if you decide and you do this, you can change um, everything. You can have divine power, you know? And, you know, there are little bits of truth in it. Like you can go and do stuff to the sky that makes it rain, you know, mm-hmm. China's done it. United States has done it, things like that. And, uh, but it's not magic, you know, and, uh, you're, you're, uh, but claiming, claiming, um, claiming this kind of power, it sounds all pious and good because you care about the environment and that means you care about people, but really it's, it's, it goes after the first commandment, you know, who do you really trust in to take care of you? You know, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want dirty water. I don't want um, acid rain. I don't want, you know, all this. I want good natural resources. Um, but I'm not going to pretend that we as human race have the power to uh, save us from this doomsday apocalypse that's going to come in just a few years. Mm-hmm. Like every, you know, every few years they're like, this is the last year we're going to be able to save the world. You know, they've been saying that now it's since like, the 1970s. I think. Oh, oh yeah. It's I like remember that where they're talking about, Oh, global cooling. What are we going to do? The icebergs are coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And then you look at, uh, yeah, like they're like the people in um, the early 20th century who'd have those, signs on their themselves that said the end is near and they'd get out and preach you know doomsday prophecies mm-hmm. and, the, and this is again this is like a religious i mean it's a religious thing so we uh and and that's where like i encourage everybody um all christians who are listening to recognize how we have become pagan in our own lives you know this is the first commandment what do we fear love and trust in the most mm. you know what is it that we expect the most good from 
is it is it what the world expects the most good from from money from success you know from anything anything that's above god that you that you expect more good from than from god that's an idol and it's going to lead you astray and really what's leading you astray is your own heart you're you're trusting in something that's not that's not the true god and um what's interesting too is that the pagans like you have different kinds of pagans right so you have um like the Assyrian and Egyptian pagan gods who are kind of men, but are also animals and half, you know, half beast, half this monster, you know, or bird. The Greeks, all their gods, this is, they're very influential on us. All their gods were like men, like human beings, you know? And, uh, and in other words, like they worshiped themselves, you know, they made their gods just like themselves, you know? And that's and that's what we do too. Uh, we just make gods in our own image, and and uh, it's, forgetting that it's he a made sad, us. It's a sad thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. So <laughs> well, we got to yeah. take a little break here, but we got a lot more to talk about with this neo paganism and how we can respond to it, and what can we do. We'll be right back. <laughs> hardened ranch hand bears wounds from the past. As hard as I might try, there are people I cannot forgive. But can he overcome his bitterness? Your memory of your pain is greater than the memory of your deliverance. To protect the son of his best friend. I will give my life to save yours. When Quicksand threatens to kill him. Don't do this. Quicksand, the exciting new audio drama on the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Peace Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Village Lutheran Church at 1040, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. One of my real aspirations is to set my mind on things above where Christ is. That's hard in that world of distraction. KFUO is really helping me to fix my mind on things above, to meditate on the things of Christ. You've been very helpful to me, and I appreciate it. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. Jesse Norman and a great many other singers as well are on hand to tell the world on the next Sing for Joy. Listen and be refreshed. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Yes, 
I love watching Pinnacle sporting events. The delicious appetizers, the commercials, and of course the big game are just a few of the things I enjoy about the day. Hi, I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you thrive with purpose. I think about the players who make it to this point in their career. They don't achieve success by chance, but rather they spend their entire lives working toward this one moment. That's a lot of commitment. Similarly, achieving financial clarity, while it doesn't happen overnight, it requires us asking God daily how we should approach our finances. And it also takes some determination, strategy, and discipline. When you lean on God, you will have the strength to follow through with your financial roadmap and be empowered to effectively use the resources He's provided. Approaching your financial strategy with this mindset will be key to living the life you were created for. So take a moment to evaluate your current perspective on finances and identify some steps you can take every day to live a life full of meaning and gratitude. Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor's in. I'm program host Kip Allen. My guest pastor today is Pastor Mark Preuss. And he is from Laramie, Wyoming, with uh, St. Andrew's Church over there. And we are discussing how the United States is not really secular anymore. We're actually moving into a pagan, into a pagan type uh, belief. And uh, we're, we're discussing how this is happening, how to recognize it, and what to do about it. I, I think one thing that we can do to, to uh, oppose it is actually to study the old religions, you know, the, like the, what the Greeks and the Romans believed, or, or the Vikings, for example. Heck, I mean, the Vikings' gods were even mortal. Eventually, they were going to die. Uh, and we can compare that to what we know to be the truth in in Bible, in, in the biblical truth that we know is there, and, and of course, with Luther's re- revelations. But we can look at what they have believed and just see it, where it not only is it false, but how it is being in, uh, becoming used today with the false gods of everything from, uh, from abortion to, uh, to uh, transsexuals to uh, open marriage. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that open marriage thing is, is really sad. That reminds me that you mentioned, um, <clears throat> the Vikings or the Norwegians. And I had this, he was, he was uh, in a, in a clerk at this liquor store I would go to, to buy uh, beer. And uh, he, I started talking to him. I like to chat people up and uh, he was a big Trump fan. And so was I, so, uh, but he, I find out that he is a Norse pagan and I've met a lot of these Norse pagan people laugh, but there's a lot of them. And, and there's a lot of them in Laramie. And now this is, check it out. The reason what is most appealing to the Norse pagans is that they come from these shattered families and they come from, um, uh, there are a couple of elements. One is they really believe strongly in loyalty. And if somebody isn't loyal to you, then you have the right to hate that person. Right. And so that brings them to polyamory. And so they have these, they're not open marriages, but they're like, it's a man has more than one wife. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're not actually married, but they call them their wives, you know? So they start practicing polygamy. And, um, well, this guy, you know, he was very confident in his love of these Norse gods and how Odin is going to give him this. And, uh, if he does this and you could see that he had attached himself to a religion which um, promised to take care of, 
you know, the injuries and the evil that he had seen in his life. And in a sense, uh, um, Norse paganism was better in, in some senses than what the world was offering him, you know. But what happened was that one day I see him and he's really downcast and his it just his his two so-called wives had left him in the middle of the night and run off with one of his friends, you know? Oh, and so, yeah, he was supporting them and giving them everything, you know, and working two jobs to make sure they had enough. And so his God just totally failed him, you know? And, uh, and that's what's so sad about this stuff. You know, you put your trust in these gods or these ideals, and then these gods just forsake you. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's like the prophets of Baal dancing around their altar, doesn't matter if you cut yourself, if you cry, there's no pity from a God that doesn't exist, you know, whereas our God is a merciful God and he is angry at sin because it destroys what he made and it offends his goodness and it, 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 it uh, destroys love. And yet he still has mercy on what his hands have made. And he, he gives his only begotten son to take on our human flesh and blood and to die for all of these sins, which have been us worshiping and expecting good from other gods, from riches, from pleasure, from ease, and all of these things. And he still has mercy on us and shows us that your life isn't bound to this earth. Don't worship the earth. Worship me. I give you everything. And even if heaven and earth pass away, you will still have everything if you have me. And that's why I just love being a Christian, Kip. I'm so grateful that God called me into his kingdom um, through the gospel, gave me faith in his son. I have a comfort that every time I could lose everything and still have him. And, and then the things that he does give me, they're not so burdensome. Like when, when you start worshiping something, it burdens you. It's like, like uh, I haven't had a cigarette since... Um, January 1st. Ah, and I've been congratulations. On and off of cigarettes. Yeah, thanks. I've been on and off of cigarettes for a long time, but they just totally dominate your life. I mean, I don't even enjoy it anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's horrible. And it's like when, when I mean, that's, it's kind of an analogy for all sorts of things in our lives where when you know that your greatest good is God, then the other goods in your life, you value them more in a sense because you value them properly. They're not your gods. They're gifts from God. And then you enjoy them, and you don't expect all good from them. And so, it, you, you know, it, you, 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 you thank God for them. And then if God takes them away, it's sad, but you haven't lost everything, you know? I mean, it, it's so wonderful not worshiping the earth, <laughs> not being a slave to it, you know? So. Well, well, you know, the, your tobacco analogy, I think, is a very good one. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to confess here. I used to be a smoker. I had a two-pack-a-day habit for 20 years. and mm -hmm. uh, Wow. Yeah, it was heavy. It was day. bad. It was bad. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, there wasn't a lot I wouldn't do if I was running low on cigarettes. So it would be yeah. almost like I was worshiping that. I was making it a god. It's something that controlled yeah. the role in my life. Uh, when I quit, um, I did a cold turkey. And mm -hmm. I will admit, <laughs> I went through the agonies of the damned. <laughs> it was, anybody yeah, else's, right, right. I, people will say tobacco is not addictive. Uh-uh, I can tell you, it is. It, uh, to this day, yeah. I haven't smoked in more than 30 years. And to this day, I sometimes uh -huh. get the urge to smoke. But... Wow. As bad as the withdrawal yeah. was, I am so much better today 
Yeah, yeah. And I have to thank yeah. God for helping me through that period. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and me too. Although I'm not quitting cold turkey, I'm 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 smoking a cigar every night. So <laughs> <laughs> I haven't given up. I do so enjoy tobacco, but uh, yeah, it's uh, but yeah. I mean, that's how that's how it is. You know, you're like a slave to it. You know, and then God's the one who sets you free. You know, He's the one who sets you free from worshiping the earth, and He does it by becoming by taking our earth upon Himself. You know, we're dust, we're earth, and God becomes a man and clothes Himself in flesh and blood, and he makes this mortal flesh immortal by destroying sin and rising from the dead. And, uh, and so that it, all good is in him. And, um, and this is also, it's not just simply some weird spiritual existence that we, um, in heaven, as if we don't have our bodies. That's how people imagine it. It's with our bodies, you know? He's, he redeems our bodies, and it makes them spiritual bodies, but they're real bodies. And so that that, that uh, our works and our actions here matter. We're not saying that the earth doesn't matter. We're not saying that what God created doesn't matter. No, we're, we're stewards saying that of the earth. Not, we're stewards right, of the yeah. earth. It's not meant to be worshipped. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that, that's the issue. So, yeah, you know, and I I worry. I mean, I shouldn't worry, but I, I my brother David 20 years ago called this the age of absurdity, mm. you know, because he had been studying some philosophy, and I was just beginning to study philosophy, and then I kind of got it. Um, I kind of understood what he meant, but you just see where, like, it doesn't... So you're going to have a guy who says that he's a girl wrestle a girl, and then he wins the championship of girls. And then we all have to pretend that he's a girl because he feels that he's a girl. So we have to ignore the biological reality. I mean, this is absurd. And yet we are evil, horrible people for even saying this. I mean, man, I mean, if there's some social justice warrior listening right now, he probably thinks that I'm evil, you know, <laughs> because this is their morality. And, and it's, and but this, and this is, they did the same, they did the same thing. And like I said before, they always try to bring in science. Like, do you remember when we you know people are born gay? You know, that's what they said. And the science says it. And I heard so many people say, you know, you know the science says it. And all they did, everybody just starts parenting. Well, if science says it. Science says it. And now, what is it? No, science doesn't say that. Science didn't say that. You know, and they were doing the same thing with this transgender stuff about look at the, look at the gray mass or whatever in their brain of transgender people. And it's more like a woman's and all sorts of stuff. I mean, just trying to, they don't know. <laughs> they're always trying to uh, prove what can't be proved because it's not reality, you know, but they, but, but they take the, um, the form of knowledge and act like this is truth and this is righteousness. This is why like, you know, like 60 some, you know, 60% of Americans were against gay marriage until suddenly, boom, they, the Supreme court rules this. And then you're evil if you are opposed to it. I mean, there was no like, okay, you know what I mean? Like immediately everybody, and if anybody opposed it, he was evil. That's how it was. Well, so. you're moving. Yeah, you're, we're moving in a direction there. Uh, and something to remember is that uh, in early pagan Rome, uh, Christians mm -hmm. were were badly persecuted. And I think we're mm -hmm. starting to see that today, where the pagans are persecuting Christians now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it's because the Christians. And this is where I think that we, this is why we really have to recognize what 
do we value? I say if anybody has money, don't look forward to your retirement. Give money to Orthodox Lutheran churches to start good schools. Give it to the poor, give, you know, and you will have treasure in heaven and follow Jesus. This this worship of mammon. We we ha- we are not a light in this world to the to the to the pagans. If we worship mammon, it's just not going to happen, you know. And too many of us do. We 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 value money more than children. We value stuff more than going to church. I mean, how many? Talk to pastors, Kip. How many pastors have dealt with families who who take their kids? They they, they let these school teams. And tournaments take their children away from God's word, basically teaching their children that sports are more important than hearing the word of God. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, this is what is happening. And then we expect to be able to be a light to the pagans when we show by our own lives that we value the same stuff they value just as much. Well, that's something something really to to examine, uh, where we need to look at ourselves and remember that, you know, the old Adam is, is very much aware and, and alive in us. And uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the subtle weapons of Satan and the old Adam is that sometimes evil could be very, very attractive. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, I know, and that's the thing. We're living in the world. Unless Jesus didn't take us out of the world, but we're not of the world. You know, and that's, it's hard to remember that. And that's why our whole life is one of repentance. And I don't mean to sound holier than thou. I'm just saying, like, hey, how are we actually going to live among a generation that is promoting and believing these things? You know, like it, we, we shouldn't suffer as evildoers, but as those who are doing good. And we're going to be suffering. I mean, there is no mercy for us. I mean, they, 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 if they treated Christ that way, they're going to treat us this way. And we no longer have um, a government, a culture that is friendly to Christianity, you know? So, Yeah, that's, that's correct. That's one of the things I'm looking at. Uh, some of the new rulings and edicts coming out of Washington, again, strike me very, very much as neo-paganism. And, uh, mm-hmm. and there is a price to pay for opposing it. But, you know, the reward, mm. the reward will be better, will be greater. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Blessed are you, and those are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of, of mm-hmm. God. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, so. and Jesus himself told us, you know, <laughs> you're going to be persecuted because of me. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. warned us. He warned us. He told us it was going to happen. And, yeah. Uh, so we look at people like uh, like Saint Peter or, or or the others who actually welcomed the persecution, and they saw it as a form yeah. of worship to to the Lord Jesus. Right. Yeah. I know that is. Uh, yeah. It's and and that's where that's kind of like you know, how comfortable are we with our lives today? I'm so grateful for the blessings that I've had. I've had a few really just wonderful days. Uh, with a wonderful week with my family. We started school again and I have all these parishioners helping teach my kids and my kids are learning, I'm reading Shakespeare with my two oldest. And then I come home and my wife has a dinner on the table and we drink a glass of wine together and, and pray together. And just, it's just wonderful, you know? And I love these blessings. 
I love them uh, because God gave them to me, but I love the giver more, you know, mm-hmm. and the way, and what we have to recognize is we should have pity on the pagans, you know, because we understand it to be enslaved by stuff, you know, to be enslaved to the worship of the, the earth rather than to be free to worship the God who created the heavens and the earth. Um, we should have mercy on them as God did. And, uh, and that's why, like, obviously, you know, there are political battles to fight and we should do our duty as citizens. But uh, we should also remember that um, that we behave in a way that the word of God is not blasphemed. And I think there are very few of us who can say that. I'm, I'm, uh, we all make mistakes and say things we shouldn't say and do things we shouldn't do. But we should ask God that we that He keep us pure and unspotted from the world. That He teach us how to love each other, but not for glory among men, but for the sake of God. And and that's the light that people need to see, um, so that they ask us, you know, what hope do you have in you? And then we tell them about Jesus. It's it's a very difficult row to hoe. Um, how can we pity someone who's persecuting us? I know that this is something we should be doing, but, you know, I'm human. Adam lives strongly in me, and I have a very difficult time having kind thoughts for people who want to do me evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus teaches us how to um, by looking by looking to him. And uh, have you ever read, have you ever ever heard of Richard Wormbrandt? Uh, No, I can't say that I have. I'll send you his book. It's it's called Tortured for Christ. He was a Romanian Lutheran pastor in communist Romania. I take it back. I do do know about him. But please go ahead, fill, fill that in. He had wonderful things to say. Yeah, yeah. His book, Tortured for Christ, is, uh, is really fantastic. I mean, he, he, he teaches, he shows how these, um, and he tells stories about how these guards, these prison guards who were just, to- who were torturing these Christians, um, uh, re- would repent and become Christians and then would become the tortured. <laughs> it's just amazing because, because the Christians loved them. They, all they had, everything was taken from them. They didn't have their wives, their jobs, their money. All they had was Jesus, and so they clung to him, and from that suffering, God saved their, the, the people who were doing them wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like the thief on the cross who was reviling Jesus with his, with his, with his friend and then repents because, he can't, you know, there he, there's Jesus suffering for him, you know, and suffering because of him. And... Uh, so I think that, you know, Jesus teaches us this, and we really need to, you know, take up, I don't know, Fox's Book of Martyrs has some problems, but it has some good stories in there. But take up the stories of these early Christian martyrs and read them. I think that's what we need to be doing, because I think we'll gain a lot of insight and wisdom from this. Well, you know, about more years ago than I care to remember, uh, I had the honor of uh, interviewing Jeremiah Denton. I don't know if you know the name. Uh, he was... Uh, he had he was a naval aviator who was shot down over North Vietnam, and was imprisoned mm, yeah, under yeah. terrible, terrible situations, circumstances. He, he he wrote a book when hell hell was in session, 
And yeah, yeah. when I was talking to him, he, he he was relating all these terrible things that would happen to him. Sometimes, you know, they, they wouldn't even be trying to get information from him. They just torture him for the sake of torturing. And right. uh, the thing well, that, that's what communists do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what got him through was he it was a strong Christian faith. He he made a, a a small crucifix that he would hide under his pallet. And I remember it said one of the things that struck him. Well, actually, I said to him. How can you not look at your captors and 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 not have burning hatred toward them? And he said to me, you know, the, the guard I remember, he said, was the one who confessed to me that he was also a secret Christian. And that sometimes wow. he would pray with him and he would bring him things like vitamin pills, things like that. But there was that one mm-hmm. guard who was a Christian. And he said that wow. that more than anything else, outside of his faith in God, well, that was the evidence of the faith in God that saw him through that horrible, horrible. Yeah, session. God sent that. Yeah, God sent that guard. I mean, that's like an angel. You know. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's amazing. Wow. It really is. I was just yeah. I was just blown away by this guy. Uh, I just uh, I, I just. <laughs> he was a, I remember he was a very unassuming man. He wasn't very tall. He wasn't very well built. Uh, quiet. Soft-spoken, and mm-hmm. with an iron faith that made me ashamed of myself. Yeah, but that's what isn't that. That's probably why we are this way is because we haven't suffered so much, you know. But it's since I just did a paper or a, a Bible class on uh, sanctification or good works, so I did a lot of studying, and it seems to me that the most fruit comes when uh, from suffering. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Jesus says that. His father, he's the vine and we're the branches, and his father is the vine dresser. And the vine dresser, he says those branches that bear fruit, he prunes or cleans that they may bear more fruit. And that pruning and cleaning hurts, you know? And Like, um, like when I quit smoking. Yeah. <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But there's fruit from it, you know? And, and, and Hebrews says that the... Uh, no, no, no discipline is pleasant at the time, but it seems that it's sorrow, but it helps us bear fruit. You know, I mean, that's, and I think that's where we can, um, where we can depend on the grace of God for our weakness. It's like Paul who asked that the thorn in his flesh be removed three times. And, uh, and Jesus said, my grace is, uh, sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And maybe that's just the lesson that we're going to need to learn. Um, yeah. Well, I think we're in for some very difficult few years ahead uh, for mm-hmm. Christians, and actually for people of faith, period. I, I look at our uh, our Jewish friends, uh, whom I pray every day will, will realize the truth of Jesus, but still... Uh, they're on the target too. They're on the. Uh, they are people of a faith, not the faith that we have, but they are people of faith who follow what they believe to be right and really don't cause any harm to anyone else. And yet they find themselves in the uh, in the uh, the target of these people. Just as some of the people now sitting in Congress or, or other places of influence who say these horrible things about Jews. You know, we as Christians simply. Pray for them and wish that they would know the truth of, of Jesus Christ. 
We don't want to persecute them, but others do. Yeah, I mean, you, we should we should show love to to all, and and we should defend um, those who are innocently attacked. And um, we're, there's going to be a lot of that coming. Mm. You know, there, there are stories of um, of Christians throwing themselves in front of um, in front of heretics who had been thrown into the lion's den with them and or into the Colosseum and other places to, 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 to protect their heretic enemies, you know, mm-hmm. but they still, you know, they, 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 they showed them love because they were, you know, innocently thrown in. I mean, they didn't deserve to be thrown to the lions. You know what I mean? So yeah, we, and that's also, you know, they will know, this is by this all men will know that you're my disciples when you have love for each other, you know, and that love isn't just simply a bunch of gushy feelings. It's actually suffering for other people, defending other people when it's not popular. And, uh, yeah, that's a key phrase, defending other people when it's not popular. Uh, and that's one of the things that we do, for example, in the pro-life movement, whether it's, uh, the fighting the uh, the horror of abortion or euthanasia, as far as that's concerned, I mean that's another yeah. that is another form of human sacrifice. I mean, well, these old people they're 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 a burden on our society now. Let's get rid of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah, is, that is frightening. It's, 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 yeah, that's yeah, and that's utilitarianism. <clears throat> There's actually this Peter Singer guy. He argues that you can you should be able to kill a baby up to three years old if. He's no, if you realize that he's not going to be an asset to society, if he's not going to benefit society, but be a burden on it. I've heard I that. Mean, and that's the same, arg- yeah, it's the same argument with old people. And we recognize as Christians that our value before God does not come from what we do, but from Him. And so we feel, you know, like when we're suffering, and I mean, I hate being sick because I sit around and mope because I can't do anything. You know what I mean? It's just a, oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's a kind of worthless feeling. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so a lot of older people, I mean, I've visited people, a lot of people in the nursing homes and you have, they, they, they're so happy when they, somebody comes to visit them, but they feel like they're worthless, you know, and they don't, they're not doing anything. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and we got to get away from like, Hey, yeah, you're being served by other people. That's life. That's life. That's how you, you wouldn't be alive if your mom hadn't served you. You wouldn't be alive and you wouldn't have salvation if God didn't serve you. This is the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. So the value of life is not, is not determined by other people and, and how they judge what you can do for society. That's how the pagans were. If they had a sick, crippled, whatever kid, they'd go and just expose it. And the Christians would go take the kids and raise them as their own. They'd adopt them, you know? And, and the the pagans were like, these people are crazy. Why would you want a kid who's going to be such a burden on you? You know, I mean, that's how they thought, (laughs) you know, it's uh. Well, Mark, yeah. we're, we're coming to the very tail end of the program here. We've got about maybe 20 seconds to spare. Is there anything that you want to uh, to add in conclusion? Oh, nothing to add, but just to encourage Christians that uh, to, to, let's just repent of our pagan ways and, um, and know that God is merciful to us in Christ and uh, so that we can speak the truth in love, but that we never compromise with these neo-pagans. You never compromise God's word. Never you compromise can't do it. God's not love. And bear in mind that we ourselves can sometimes act as pagans. Mark, thank you so much for your insight. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. 
To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.